Hello, and welcome to Anime Countdown Episode 6. I'm your host, LB, and joining me as always is CT. Good evening, everybody. So, normally on Anime Countdown, we try to avoid doing general favorites categories, as we prefer to keep things as fresh and entertaining as possible, which is why some of our categories so far have been, you know, a little more skew. For this episode, though, we're going to go ahead, we're going to buck that trend, and we are going to dive into the world of soundtracks by listing our favorite anime background music composers. Uh, Before we dive into our list, though, I wanted to give a little bit of context to the conversation. Uh, And before we dive into our honorable mentions and everything, I wanted to go ahead and ask you, uh, what's your background with music? uh, And what makes a good soundtrack for you? Oh, (laughs) what makes a good soundtrack? A lot of music that I enjoy listening to. That seems like a very silly thing to say, but uh, the the fundamentals are are usually there. Of course, uh, a lot of times, uh, music has a, uh, ends up having a very personal attachment to me, both from openings and endings, but also from the music associated with the show. So I end up visualizing a show and being able to call upon how I felt about the show while I'm listening to the music. And same thing, it, it kind of feeds back into the show. If I really enjoy listening to music from outside, then, uh, uh, you know, whenever the particular tracks I like most roll around again, it, it's it's all very manipulative. And uh, it's not a, precisely a vicious cycle, but it's still a, a uh, kind of feedback uh, loop that they have uh, with themselves. So when we get into it, you'll probably find both with honorable mentions and other things, a lot of these are are going to attach to music that was some of the first ones and some of the ones that hit me deepest when I started getting into uh, watching anime. Uh, especially, I mean, when I started collecting, uh, it, it's hard to say. Uh, when I started watching anime, it was from random compilations of uh, tapes that were kind of, uh, you know, dubbed for me by a friend who had access to a college club that was passing these things around. But this would have been, you know, 89, early 90s. So it was all raw. It was all just a, a complete hodgepodge of things. There wasn't a whole lot of, okay, here you have this whole TV series to watch. I would uh, start with getting access for Bubblegum Crisis 1 and 2, uh, and then I, <laughs> for a year maybe I wouldn't get anything further, and I'd have to scour around for it. But in those days, I enjoyed the music so much that I would put together my own mixtapes, which by that I mean I would hold my stereo up to my mono television speaker and uh, <laughs> and put the music together, which is funny, of course, because they're not straightforward songs. Uh, it, it has the sound effects and sometimes dialogue mixed in. So let's say the, the very beginning of uh, Bubblegum Crisis 1, which would have been my intro to to anime and the first music that I really got into and 
Konyawa Hurricane is a, a hell of a song to start your uh, weebhood with. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I would visualize the anime, but I was also getting sound effects, so I'd be able to visualize the combat scenes that they were going between Chris's concert and uh, the AD police chasing a boomer down the highway. It's blowing up helicopters, other stuff. So even after I would get CDs with the music straight in the back of my brain, I'm still layering over sound effects and dialogue that I remember from, <laughs> from the anime themselves, like Megazone 2-3. In the very beginning, they have a, a musical interlude, and I would leave the dialogue in because it was a little hard to uh, to parse it out. Uh I would go on ski trips for my high school ski club, and I had it timed very well. So when I played Over the Top from the Dirty Pair uh, Project Eden movie at the top of a particular slope and went down a particular path, it would basically be ending by the time I got right at the bottom. And uh, that was a weird little enjoyment phase that I had from that uh, <laughs> as well. Later on, when I finally went to a uh, convention, which would have been Anime East 95, uh, there were soundtrack CDs, but they were ridiculously expensive on the floor. They were $40, $50 uh, at least. So they were not a thing that I could really afford to do nonchalantly at that point. Uh, but before I got to the, uh, before I got to the end of the con, someone, there was word passing around about someone's room out of which they had goods. Now at the time I was, uh, not smart enough to know that it would be a whole lot of bootleg stuff. Uh, but I went there and I saw there, there were anime t-shirts that didn't suck. <laughs> yes, there were iron-on decal ones, but uh, uh, but even more importantly than that, they had CDs, and they had CDs that were, uh, what is it, you know, affordable. So I forget what they were, but anywhere between $10, $15 is an acceptable price for it. Uh, if anyone was involved back then, this was all Sanmei stuff, which was uh, Taiwanese bootleg. So they would uh, they would collect, they would just make their own versions of Japanese uh, albums and come through uh, and sell them through their uh, contacts and sell them very cheaply, whereas the official merch was always expensive to begin with. And then, you know, 100% markup from the importing and everything else. So uh, there there was no contest. You, uh, you, you bought the Sanmei because you wanted the music. Uh, and it, it, in that case, my first three albums were the, uh, Orange Road Sound Color albums, which was basically all of the background music from the, uh, from the TV show and the OAVs, uh, along with their openings and endings. But th there was a ton of, uh, you know, music used throughout actual songs that were used at all times that weren't just an opening or ending. So it was, it was, uh, it was great. It left its tracks on me. And whenever I go to a con, if I'm driving long distance to a convention, 
I start by playing those three albums to get me in the mood. Uh, <laughs> so I've gotten out of the habit of listening to music as much as I did back in the day. I mean, my heaviest use would have been, you know, kind of 96 to 2001. I was going in and I was collecting soundtracks and uh, compilations, J-pop and, and anime music. I'd go into Chinatown and I'd come back with eight or 10 CDs most of the time. I ended up spending more on uh, music than I, than I was on anime there. And uh, in recent years, I've kind of switched over to feeding my brain with podcasts, so I do a lot less music listening. Uh, it's definitely still enjoyable, and I, since we're starting this and I've been like delving into all of this stuff, I have a feeling that I'm probably go on, going to go on a music and a soundtrack binge again for a while, which would be a nice change of pace and maybe help the... Uh, uh, pandemic self-isolation doldrums a little bit uh which would be good uh but uh yeah no my my connection was pre pretty deep pretty quick uh so it's always been something that i've invested a lot of uh interest in there is a limit to who you know what composers uh i could recognize what songs and singers i could recognize at that time uh so it's interesting to go years later and and delve deep and uh, pick up uh, uh, a lot of stuff that I really wasn't paying attention to before and kind of relive what I did back then and then uh, pick up, you know, albums that they've been doing in the intervening years, uh, anime that I've watched, which a lot of times I have watched stuff that they've still been doing or uh, ones that I haven't just to see how their soundtracks are. So... Old, uh, old favorites, and uh, there are some new folk on the list as well. But uh, how how did you uh, get immersed in it, as it were? Well, I mean, to start off, uh, I actually do come from a music background. I studied uh, classical violin and vocals when I was going to school. I was really heavily involved in the arts programs, both in junior high and high school. So music has always been really important to me. Uh, and it's something that I've always paid close attention to no matter what medium I'm consuming at the time. For anime though, my first immersion started with opening and closing theme songs uh i would my i can remember very very clearly being in my late teens early 20s watching the original sakura wars television series <laughs> singing that theme song in horribly mangled japanese <laughs> I probably drove my family members absolutely crazy with that because it didn't fail. Every time I started a new episode, I was singing along with that theme song. Completely uh, understandable. Yeah. So it's a, to be fair, it's a very catchy song. Uh, but in terms of like background music, when I started to get really heavily 
into anime and I started adding, you know, countless anime theme songs to my iPod at the time. Uh, I discovered while I was downloading these uh, opening and closing album singles that there were also like soundtracks and image albums and all these different little things that we didn't get in America. You know, there, what can you name one American television show that got like an image album within the last few years? So, you know, that was big for me. It was like opening my eyes. And so basically, anytime I watched a series, even if I didn't finish it, if I liked the music even just a little bit, I downloaded everything that I could find from those series. So to the point where I absolutely destroyed my first computer when I was a teenager because I was just downloading all the time and not defragging. And yeah, that computer ended up dying a pretty horrible death. Poor soul. Yeah, so that was my first real immersion into anime. As I got older, uh, and as I lost iPods and had to replace <laughs> them, and not backing up my music like I should have been, I would find that the amount of anime soundtracks that I was adding to subsequent MP3 players to be less and less. I, I, my heaviest period was in my 20s, my, my late 20s. I was listening to pretty much 90% anime music, uh, either soundtracks or theme songs. Uh, and then as I got older, you know, it varied up a little bit more. And, you know, now I still listen to theme songs very often but i do have it indispersed with other music from around the world uh so yeah so but yeah during my early mid-20s is probably when i've really started to get immersed uh in what was being produced for background music uh and i will definitely talk about some of my favorites on the list some of them are a little older and more established and a couple of them are a little bit newer uh but yeah that's pretty much my history of music it's uh it's interesting you mentioned the you know just sort of the weird image albums uh, uh the, the weirder kind of things that shows would have uh i mentioned the the three albums that i had to start they were they were fairly evenly interspersed with full songs and background music because that's just kind of the way that orange road was uh when i ended up picking up you know kind of a, a macross album i would you would have the notable songs in it but you'd have a lot more background music uh, so a lot of times they would, most of the things were, you know, like this year's here, here's 1997 volume one, two, three of all of the openings and endings for all the popular shows. So I'd, I'd end up getting these CDs that were just, you know, openings and endings, but every once in a while you had to chase them down and pick up the, the album, the full soundtrack to get any of that at all. 
And after a while, I was buying so many that I would just be like, ooh, I have no idea what this is, but the cover art is cool. Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I would I would be introduced to things. I would have to start looking. Sometimes I would look at the backs of them because I'd be like, oh, I, I haven't paid enough attention. It's like, th this one, do I care about that? Does this have how many full songs does it have versus uh, background music? And you look at the, the time link. Uh, but then you'd you'd come home with albums that were like, oh, this is a music box version of the Sailor Moon music, not the actual background music or, or themes to it. There were a lot of things that I was introduced to by way of not knowing what I was buying, <laughs> which, is, which is funny. I would get uh, spoken word albums. They have, you know, the, the vocal uh, yeah. uh, stuff. So I had two... I wanted, uh, excuse me, some uh, You're Under Arrest uh, music at one point. There were a couple albums that I got with that. It was mostly, you know, a drama CD. Or, sorry, it was like half drama CD, half music CD. But most of the music wasn't even from the show. It would just be stuff that they did off to the side for these albums. So they didn't even necessarily appear in a show you'd have this weird uh uh you know classical kind of thing you'd have this kind of rap battle thing you'd have this weird one that they're all singing and they're all acting drunk in it it was some of the most peculiar <laughs> stuff and i love being able to because i was never looking for it uh there'd be a reason i would pick up the album most of the time, sometimes I would just do it randomly, but it, it would be a weird experience to get these things like, oh, here's the brass quintet version of uh, stuff. Here's the music box version. This was an old uh, karaoke album. And uh, I'm like, well, that doesn't help me a lot. It's weird to have no, uh, no, you know, vocals in it at that point. And I did back in my college days, I did end up, uh, learning a number of them, especially things like uh, Ranma songs, which were catchy as hell and uh, very apt at the time period. But uh, the those two, unless you keep in practice, uh, you're not very good at. I think I'm probably still best at singing the uh, uh, the Sailor Moon theme somehow in, in Japanese, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, but you, you did introduce your connection to music in general uh i didn't think to start with that so i'll end with that uh i was playing piano at around third grade trumpet in fourth grade i kept up my piano through middle school and then i did basically you know through middle school and high school i was playing trumpet i was in choir uh I was in, you know, jazz band, the uh, uh, classic sounds. I was in marching band. I was in drama club. I was your triple threat. Uh, well, not really threatening, but uh, your, your triple nerd <laughs> in band, choir and uh, drama. So I was I was definitely, you know, very much uh, attached to music, uh, mostly classical and, and jazz at, at the time. Not a lot of vocal. I didn't really listen to radio and pop stuff. There was a lot that during school years you can't avoid because it's just everywhere. But, yeah. you know, because of because I was playing things, I was usually 
searching out uh, things. I was trying to play all of the Scott Joplin rags on the piano. So I'd pull out albums and uh, try doing that. That didn't stick long term. I uh, stopped uh, not with singing, but with uh, piano eventually and with trumpet after high school. But uh, my, the uh, the anime songs dug in right at the beginning of high school. So it, it's not even like I had a connection to music and then did it. This, this kind of interwove with, uh, with what I was still learning and, and appreciating at the time uh, being in Scholastic Band. So, and this also will probably explain just how high Hibike Euphonium is on my uh, enjoyed uh, series list if we ever get to a point like that. But uh, there is definitely a, a lot that I can uh, draw from, uh, from that show. So, alright, now that we've, you know, given a little bit of context, a little bit of history, let's go ahead, let's dive into our honorable mentions. I only have one, but I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna let you go first again. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions that you couldn't fit how into my, your how list? How many am I allowed to state? Uh, <laughs> um, let me see. I, I started my story and I started my weebhood in a way with, uh, Bubblegum Crisis, so I was looking up the composer for that. And Bubblegum Crisis, of course, is a bit confused because it's a lot of pop and rock songs that are mixed in. They're, uh, some of the music that I was closest attached to at the time uh, began with uh, Bubblegum Crisis and then went through Macross. So I'm, I'm going to give both of these guys an honorable mention. They just didn't have enough there. Uh, Koji Makaino was the uh, composer for Bubblegum Crisis, but interestingly did a number of earlier things that uh, I need to go back to, like Aim for the Ace and Rose of Versailles, which are prominent series, but uh, he didn't have too much connection later. Uh, things like Creamy Mommy, uh, Zabungle, and Pastel Yumi, but not things that I associated with, so certainly couldn't make the list. And that's a bit of the same with uh, Kentaro Haneda, who did uh, the original Super Dimension Fortress Macross and the Do You Remember Love movie. Those hit me very deep, especially from a soundtrack perspective at the time. Uh, and while he was involved in, you know, things that uh, uh, were of a type in the era, like uh, Orgus and Space Cobra, Final Yamato, randomly Onisama-e, but, uh, and amusingly did uh, Dragonar with uh, Toshiyuki Watanabe, who did the Space Brothers album. And uh, that's the sad thing, as much as Space Brothers and Chihaya Furu are like my top series, and I have sensors in my brain tuned to specific songs in those soundtracks, they also, you know, didn't do enough to make my list. So I'll, I'll give them a quick shout out. Uh, uh, Toshiyuki Watanabe did Space Brothers, Kosuke Yamashita, Yamashita did Chihaya Furu, Hanayori. Hanayori Dango, uh, a bunch of tokusatsu stuff, but not a lot that I've watched or connected to other than that. 
but to give one last mention, uh, pardon my scrolling. Oh, wait, the, the other one did Honey or Donga, the live action. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, Michiru Oshima did the Hanayori Dango anime, but also did the entire uh, classically did things like Legend of uh, Crescenia, Queen Esmeralda's, Mahu Tsukaitai, uh, did all of Full Metal Alchemist, which I think will bond more people. Uh, but recently has done, done a bunch of things like uh, Tatami Galaxy, Sound in the Sky, Little Witch Ad Academia. Night is Short, Walk On Girl, uh, and a number, uh, in this case, a number of soundtracks that are particularly good, like uh, Aiko and Suikoden, uh, some of them. So I, I don't know, you, you might, I feel like you might get a few more video game attachments in there. I still have more people I could mention, but I will uh, end it at that point and let us get into our main lists. Okay, uh, I do have one honorable mention I want to throw out there. Uh, the I'm not saying that... Actually, I'll go ahead and mention two. I was debating <laughs> on this or not. Uh, but the first, yeah, the first one I want to mention, I'm not saying that he's not immensely talented at what he does. I just think that he was it was a little too easy to mention him and put him on my main list since he's just such a well-known figure and that would be Joe Hisaisi from Studio Ghibli sure so i mean he's immensely talented at what he does but like i said it just felt a little too easy to throw him onto my list. Uh, everyone is well aware of what he can do because of what so his history. You're throwing him under the cat bus. That's what you're Pretty doing. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. But yeah, I mean, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, Kiki's, you know, he's done a lot of great things, uh, but I did think that he should have, you know, he should get at least a small mention, if not a primary mention the other one is i want to go ahead and mention kohei tanaka who did a lot of the early soccer Wars stuff uh he did a lot of other stuff as well and he's done you know some good work over the years with like hioka and such uh but he, just because he also did all that soccer war stuff uh makes him special That's... so i have to Okay, sorry, that, that's the one I remember before recording. I said, uh, uh, I thought I came across one from the other direction that I assumed would be on your list. That is Kohei Tanaka. Uh, I searched him out by going through the Gunbuster route because that's oh. really early for me. And he did Gunbuster and Diebuster. He did a little anime called Assassination Classroom. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. So it was did soccer award. <laughs> I, did, I did not. What? No, I did not know that. So that's that's why I thought that because uh, again, the, it's the same kind of thing where, like Space Brothers, your favorites are going to have such a powerful musical connection to you uh -huh. that uh, 
uh, uh, he, I'm not sure if he was the huge, the uh, complete composer of, but there were theme song arrangements. It was on his list, at least, so you can look at that. Yeah. Uh, I think he wasn't the composer, so maybe there... Maybe maybe that's a, a different thing, but uh, yeah. Because I'm a... looking, I'm looking at his list right now, and I'm not mm-hmm. seeing ass class on there. So uh, it depends where you. That's what I mean. I, I saw him through the wiki. Ass class was saying theme song arrangement. I guess the composer is uh, Naoki Sato, who okay. didn't do a, a whole lot, from what I can see. Certainly not as broad a. Uh, a, a legacy, but uh, I went in, like I said, from Gunbuster and uh, Diebuster, but he did a bunch of early stuff that, that I had access to, like a, a no video, Spirit of Wonder, Dragon Half, uh, and then later on did uh, Hyoka definitely stuck out, but uh, Yaiba was in there, an angelic lair. I think did G Gundam in one piece, so there was... There was plenty on there to be interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I did misread uh, Ass Class in this case because if he's theme song arrangement, obviously that's less of a connection than doing the scoring for it. So. Yeah. Okay. I was uh, confused there for a second. That might imply that the actual composer is on your list. So it I guess might we'll, be. We will I guess we'll have to find out. <laughs> so alright uh, so those are my honorable mentions uh, let's go ahead let's get into our main lists I'm pretty sure I know who your first name is going to be because you and I kind of talked about this briefly before we started recording when we first decided to do this unless you've decided to save that person for last uh, no I, I will give my Yoko Kano spiel now uh, if okay. anyone, if anyone listened to uh, our Escaflone, uh episode, I definitely talked about her because that's probably my favorite soundtracks that uh, that she's done. And basically, there's really nothing to say here. She's simply a magical creature composed entirely of love and light and life, and can literally do anything. So you have to listen to anything she's ever done. She's one of the few people I've seen in concert and was the first artist I gave a Pandora station to. So that huge distinction. Uh, for openings, you can listen to Kiseki no Umi or Tank or Hemisphere on endless repeat and you will not regret it. But hell, just pause this podcast right now and listen to the following soundtracks. Escaflone, Macross Plus, Kids on the Slope, Cowboy Bebop, Wolf's Rain, Terran Resonance, and everything else. And uh, that that's all. I can uh, certainly wax on about her all friggin' day, especially because of my jazz connection. I feel that she's very deeply sunk in there and and unbeatable frankly uh but i i've talked about her before she's another one as you said before who's a fairly obvious one so it's uh get get that burst of emotion out of the way and then uh you can you can start with yours okay well basically everything that you just said except for mine applies to you 
Uh, Yuki Kaijura is one of the arguably best anime composers ever in the history of the world. Uh, if you want uh, great examples, Noir and Madlax are possibly two of the greatest soundtracks ever created uh, for an anime. She has a host of other titles as well. Pandora Hearts, Madoka Magica, Fate Zero, Sword Art Online, Princess Principal, Demon Slayer, Kimigari Orange Road. Yeah, uh, I, find, I find that hilarious. The uh, the Shin KOR movie. So uh, you did mention Erased. I will have to make sure that you mention Erased. Or that Erased. Yeah. It. So. yeah, Erased as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, I have seen Yuki Kaijura in concert one time. I consider it the greatest musical moment of my life. Uh, when her and Fiction Junction started singing Forest from the El Castor de la Bruja soundtrack, I got misty-eyed. It was just an amazing amazing concert i am still so glad and grateful that i was able to go uh and that i was able to see her in concert like i said i consider it it's up there with one of my favorite experiences ever uh so yeah so yuki kajura if you ever just need excellent music to chill out to just throw on one of her many, many playlists on YouTube or Pandora or Spotify or wherever else you go uh, and just enjoy. You can, there are very, very few albums by her that you can put on and consider it a miss. I do find it interesting that basically her first anime was the, uh, Orange Road Summer's Beginning movie, the the odd one out final movie, the uh the like the fanfic uh future Orange Road thing. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention Kara no Kyokai. I did not know. Or the Heaven's Feel movies. Okay, I think we're done here. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, but yeah, those are our big, obvious, gushing entries on this list. Probably the reason why I we p- decided to do this in the first place is just so that we could gush about these two people. Now, let's get <laughs> on to our real lists. Okay. Uh, well, for for me to go with someone who, yes, he might well be obvious, but uh, I resonate deeply, and I will not throw Joe Hisaishi under the cat bus. Uh, Interestingly, my first exposure to him was not from a Ghibli film, uh, because Venus Wars was one of the uh, uh, movies that I watched first when I had these uh, albums, so... I think it's pretty interesting because you know the kind of reputation that he generally has, uh, uh, but it, it's interesting to go back and experience something like Venus Wars and be like, hey, this this is interesting and it, it's good. It's not really, you know, it's not the Ghibli thing. So, uh, but that was 
he did two studio albums prior to that, but I think uh, uh, pretty much uh, he didn't start with Venus Wars. Sorry, that was my first exposure. But uh, the one that ties me irrevocably to his soul is through my favorite Miyazaki film, which is Nausicaa. And that's what he he had two studio albums. But again, his first step into doing an anime thing was from Nausicaa. Uh, I had uh, all of everything that was meaningful from that movie recorded to tape played over and over. Uh, I have owned ultimately more of Nausicaa, Lapida, Totoro uh, music in different forms than any other music. I mentioned like uh, brass quintets, that that's kind of the thing that you'd get these off versions of them and they're great to experience in an entirely different tonal quality so uh, just having a brass quartet or a brass quintet version of music from those uh movies is there i connect a bit less to his later uh ghibli stuff but obviously that they're still all great so it's not like the soundtrack to Spirited Away is something that you're like, eh, you know, nah, it, it's <laughs> great. He even did insert <laughs> songs for Orange Road. So anyway, because of I, I felt the need to mention him just due to the depth of the musical connection that he made with me earlier and also simply how long he's run. So other ones who... I connected with early on, they didn't have an extensive uh, volume, but even through something like Venus Wars, uh, I've listened to everything. They're all pretty, pretty great. You certainly can't go wrong with it. Uh, so I have to give him full. Uh, so for my number four, I'm going with someone who doesn't have a whole lot of experience yet, but the amount of potential that he has is just huge. And I believe that he's going to go on to do some amazing work in the next few years. Uh, and that would be Evan call the composer mm. from Violet Evergarden. I wondered if you would, you, you mentioned Violet at one point. So I, I looked that up and uh, yeah, it, indeed that uh, obviously just coming from, Violet alone, there's uh, uh, what are going on? I, I have a harder time not bringing someone in who doesn't have a, a either a breadth or a full impact. How, how many others have you uh listened to of things that uh he's done? Uh, I've listened to soundtrack for a couple of them Dance with Devils, Midnight Occult, Civil Servant. He's done, you know, a couple of other things as well uh, in the past, over the last few years. He's done Symphogear, Milky Holmes. So, I mean, mm. Violet Evergarden was, I believe, his big breakout piece. Sure. Uh, and like it, but like I said, just I realized that he doesn't have a whole lot of experience right now. But over the next decade or so, he's going to produce some amazing work. I've I feel very confident about this. I've enjoyed uh, what's in Apare Ranman so far. So, uh, and uh, Hakame to Mikochi, apparently he also did. So, I can I can see that. 
I can see that. I, there's a lot about Violet that, uh, you know, strikes me fairly deep. So uh, the, the music is there, but uh, I, I need a, l a little bit more. I, I think uh, other things that I uh, did hear him in were things like Big Order and Schwartz Barkin, but uh, those really didn't connect. But I'm not sure whether to blame anything about the soundtrack or simply the shows, which were yeah not great. <laughs> yeah, Here, that's Here's to hoping he gets more uh, Violet Evergarden quality shows to go along with uh, what, whatever he wants to... Uh, compose for them mm -hmm. yeah totally but yeah like i said lots of potential here so i felt that it was appropriate to put him on my list so uh you'll have to let me know i don't i don't know if my next will be on your list or one that you thought about he feels like someone who's ex prominent enough that he should be more recognized than he than he is, but maybe he is more recognized than I think. So uh, he, uh, I think his earliest work was taking over for the original composer for My Senokoku. Uh and this is uh, Kenji Kawai. That was actually my very next one. Okay, so we can just talk about him for a while. Where did? I I believe that my uh, that I probably would have run across him first in uh... now Project Echo was very confusing from a musical perspective. I know he's involved in something, but I I don't think from there. So probably probably Pat Labor or uh, Captain Irrepressible Captain Tyler may have been the the first places that uh, I got into them, but by doing everything from Pat Labor, Ranma One Half, uh, Vampire Princess Miu, uh, you may or may not have done a whole bunch in in the kind of early mid '90s, but with Project Echo, Burn Up, and Burn Up Excess, Mermaid Forest, Blue Seed, Excellion, Sorcerer Hunters, Hyper Police, You're Under Arrest. I think he'd only did the movie, but those were very prominent in the, uh, I started going to conventions and being able to see the community. So those were a lot of things that sort of came out of that and are going into, uh, Chinatown and, and coming back with, uh, you know, fan sub tapes dubbed galore. So, uh, prob I'm guessing that you have a more of a later connection to him. So, uh, I will transition with probably his best work and most familiar to people, uh, which are the uh, Ghost in the Shell movies, the first two, the Mamoru Oshii ones, because those are just astounding. But uh, I, since we're sharing this one, I guess, uh, let, me, uh, let me hand over and let you continue. Okay, uh, yeah, my introduction to Kenji Kawai came much later. I first started to get into what he was able to do uh, with Fate Stay Night, but after a while, I also really enjoyed what he did with Higurashi, Moribito, Eden of the East, the Skycrawlers. Uh, I 
didn't realize that he did the soundtrack for a tiny little series called Wakaba Girl, which maybe six people in the world watched. <laughs> I'm certainly familiar with, but uh, in the in that era, ones that sunk in for me were uh, Brockamon and uh, uh, The Perfect Insider. Right on. But yeah, it was uh, Fate Stay Night was my very first Kenji Kawai soundtrack that I really dug and got into. Moribito came much later because I didn't watch that right away. Uh, but Moribito is probably one of his better soundtracks, mostly because it's, it's done so well to match the period of the piece of the series. Uh, so that's probably the one of the reasons why I consider it one of his best is just because it matches the setting so well. Possibly one of the uh, ones that uh, uh, the audience would recognize is actually uh, Mob Psycho 100, which uh, uh. which he done uh, currently or yeah, it's still running. I think they have another one. Oh. As much as things are running, he's uh, currently doing uh, No Guns Life, which is uh, which is good. Uh, I did uh, get him in Joker Game and Token Rambu recently, but uh, yeah, no. it still kind of boggles my mind that he did Wakaba Girl. <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, yeah, it just I was looking through this list of impressive titles and soundtracks that I've absolutely loved. And then my eyes spotted Wakaba girl and I laughed. Yeah. You get, you go through and then you see some things and like, sir, vamp, huh? Okay. And then it's like Ultraman Geed, huh? Well, okay. I'm not really a tokusatsu sort, but maybe I'll see what, is going on with the uh, soundtrack for it. So, I mean, anyone with an extensive history has a bunch of random in the middle of uh, all of the stuff. It, you know, it's jobs they got to work. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's it's usually the ones that uh, you know stand out to you the most. He he did the uh, the original Devilman OVAs, which. Uh, as much as everything has been wiped out in in memory by Crybaby, though that was uh, it, it feels like it was big at the time, even though it didn't have a whole lot going on. The uh, what they had with uh, Devilman, amusingly, he did not do anything with the uh, with the original TV series. I guess mm -hmm. that was before his time. Uh, but uh, the. The OVA, the the Demon Bird OVA, was sticking around uh, during during the era that I was getting heavy into it. So, yeah, I, I don't suppose you can go particularly wrong. So, is he your very next one? Yeah, he was okay. my very next one. So right. you can go uh, ahead and go with your next one. I don't suspect we're going to tag anyone else. Uh, this one, this is my most recent addition to it. I didn't hear him first with the thing that basically made me look him up and start pursuing more of it. It was actually uh, what the hell year? 20, 2017 I guess. 
I was, uh, you know, we we started compiling and trying to figure out, okay, what was your favorite soundtrack from the year? Uh, and while I was going through and revisiting soundtracks, uh, to to which, as I recall, you know, you had uh, Girls' Last Tour, you had Made in Abyss, so you had Kevin Frickin' Penkin on this, and the, and a lot of people picked him for for that. Uh, but my favorite. Uh, soundtrack of that year ended up being Welcome to the Ballroom, uh, which I would encourage listening to. I know you watched the series, uh, at least to a degree, uh, read the manga to a degree. Uh, so that's that's the first time that I was like, okay, I enjoyed this enough. Who did this and what else did they do? So... Uh, you know, I had already heard him. He did a, a little thing called Death Parade. Uh, did Kiznaiver and Classroom Crisis, which I already listened to. Would do Run with the Wind, which obviously we both listened to for the uh, for the Expanding Horizons. Uh, but he is also doing the the audience would probably be most familiar because he does all of the music for Haiku and My Hero Academia. So. I don't have a connection with those, but obviously I, I think a whole lot of people do. And one of the more fascinating things and what uh, cemented him on my list was I did want to try to pull in a a modern one. And there are a few people who are a fairly obvious uh, uh, pull for a modern composer. So uh, I wanted to try to steer west of Suwano, for instance. But uh, when I read up about uh, Yuki Hayashi, he used to be an athlete for men's rhythmic gymnastics. Interesting. And he became fascinated by the background scores when selecting floor music for doing his routines. Uh, he had no experience doing anything in music prior to that. He just felt it and got inspired by it. So he started learning during college. And then, you know, he didn't become a professional right away. I think it would take him about 10 years before he was skilled enough to be pulled in and start doing things. But I think that's a fascinating route to doing it. It, it feels like for a lot of people, it ends up being, you know, they, they were inspired as a kid. They always had an interest. They always started going in. They went schooling for it with with purpose and not well you know i i simply had really good rhythm <laughs> and i really liked the music that i would dance to so uh let's do music now and then he did uh, and he do uh so i'll go ahead i'll go ahead and i'll mention my next one my next one is also kind of a modern composer uh he has a lot of series on his list which you wouldn't automatically assume would put him on this list such as lucky star haruhi suzumiya kanagi uh, but he also has some really good stuff, like the Monogatari series, um, Wandering Sun, uh, Bay Stars from most recently, and that would be Satoru Kosaki. I had not gotten around to uh, to finding him. I had like ten people in my uh, 
uh, 10 extra people in my research list, but uh, he was not one of them. So where, uh, where do you think you ran across his uh, music first? He seems to have done a whole lot of opening and ending themes as well. Yeah, so, he's uh, done a lot of opening and ending themes. Uh, I think probably possibly his most famous is the opening theme song from lucky star <laughs> um but this and i'm gonna say this and you may or may not believe me mm. i actually first got introduced to his music from the soundtrack to Oriemo. okay no i mean which actually has some decent music to it some of it is you know cheesy fluff uh but there are some really sweet uh soft piano scores attached to that soundtrack and that was where i first got uh introduced to what he could do and i started paying more attention to what he could do uh like i said i think probably his most famous uh ones are from the monogatari series and bay stars uh if i'm not mistaken uh, I could be wrong about that. Base Stars is still pretty new. Uh, but the Monogatari series, definitely, because that entire franchise has a really haunting soundtrack. Well, good friggin' lord. Okay, well, I definitely would have encountered him since it's one of his first ones, uh, certainly his first prominent one. Uh, Haruhi is what brought me back into reigniting my weebhood after a few years of uh, general indolence from it. And, uh, you know, I'd be willing to give it to him for doing the insert song, God Knows, because God knows that's a good song. But uh, that not only... <laughs> Monogatari is well known for all of the uh, openings and endings as well, but, you know, it, I'm not sure if the composer always does it, but apparently he did Staple Stable, a little song called Renai Circulation, uh, Sweet Sugar Nightmare, uh, good lord, uh, Platinum Disco, frickin' A. Okay, that's fine. We weren't choosing to go through the, the opening and ending route, but just the fact that he's effectively involved in uh, some of the most popular and mimetic ones from that series alone is... Uh, is damn impressive. Yeah, so. I thought so at least. Yeah, no, I'm. I I am fine with this. Uh, did Joshiraku? I'm just looking at uh, Wake Up Girls. So he did. Uh, yeah, he's he done few... more than a few Idol series. Did the fireworks movie? I guess, but I'm not. <laughs> he did. He did Anne Happy. I'm trying to remember yeah. if you were watching that one at the time or if you gave up on that. Oh, I gave up on that one after <laughs> one episode. That's a Aww. story for a whole nother time, though. <laughs> Kanagi. Okay, he did the opening theme to Kanagi. That's the good lord. All right. So, all right. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's move right along and go ahead and go with your last pick uh which one did you fill your last slot with okay uh 
as you can probably guess, because I mentioned my first three owned albums, but did not mention anyone yet who did the uh, uh, the composition for it. I was not introduced to Shiro Sagisu uh, through KOR. Uh, I would have, in fact, encountered him first uh, through Megazone 23, but uh, or 2 3. My, my brain still says 23, but uh, <laughs> he is emblematic of a particular sound from that era that is just so deeply grafted into my psyche that even, you know, listening to something like uh, the Lita soundtrack, you know, it's perfectly fine. Uh, he went real deep into Gynax after a while. Uh, he did uh, the... I was connected, I think, most at a particular time in the starting 90s. Uh, it's actually... I will be an apologist for Macross 2 from many perspectives, one being the opening theme, uh, uh, and two being the soundtrack, which is another one that he did. But uh, he, he did Nadia, Secret of the Blue Water. He did uh, Karekano. He did uh, Magical Shopping District Abenabashi. He has done all of the music for a little thing called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh-huh. Tiny, tiny little thing. I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not sure if you've heard of it. All the nope, way up through the rebuild movies. Uh, so he's still there. He was brought on. He's done all the music, uh, you know, for uh, Bleach and Maji and uh, the recent Berserk stuff. Uh, he interestingly has done some live action things. Uh, not ones that I've watched, but, uh, well, sorry, I, I have watched Shin Godzilla. Uh, I don't know how busy he has been lately. Uh, he showed up to do the recent Gridman series, which does have a very good soundtrack. So for me, of course, it's it's just the uh, depth specifically of Orange Road. But I mean, he's just got a, a crap ton of great stuff. Uh, I hope he gets pulled into more things. I think uh, a lot of people probably connect with him through uh, Bleach and maybe even the modern Berserks. I know that uh, a number of people are watching it despite hating the CG. Uh, I'll probably have to try out the uh, Golden Age art soundtrack and just see what see what the sound is like for him doing something that's uh, a bit more graphic and uh, not quite in the uh, the Evangelion way that's darker and hits harder and hits a little bit more askew, but uh, not in the same way. But hell, just go out and listen to the Macross 2 album. Uh, admittedly, you are not quite as attached to all of the stuff of this era, but you do seem to be fairly well attached to Evangelion. So uh, you could always use that as a springboard. He also did the soundtrack to Garzi's Wing, the highest quality anime out there with the best quality dub. That That is what I've heard. <laughs> but, uh, so there was, there was no question uh, as much as Yoko Kano has to be my favorite just from overall 
quality. I think there is something about uh, Sagisu that uh, I still have a deeper connection with and kind of fulfills a mental part of my uh, psyche listening to his music more than uh, any other composer. So uh, that is how I end it. So for my final entry on my list, we're going to come full circle uh, because I find it amusing that one of my honorable mentions made it on to <laughs> your list and one of your honorable mentions is making it onto my list. Uh, and, and so I want to bring back up Michiru, Michiru Oshima, okay. who I think deserves so much more credit than really anyone gives to her. She's done some amazing work over the year, but I think her very best soundtrack would be the 2015 series Snow White with the Red Hair. Okay. Uh, that series, I love the anime, and I tried reading the manga at one point because I really enjoyed the anime, uh, and I really enjoyed watching it, and I thought, you know, hey, the source material will probably be just as good. Uh, the issue that I ran into, though, is that when I read the manga, it just didn't feel complete without the complete uh, <laughs> audio sensation that came with the music soundtrack. Sure. Uh, the music soundtrack really brought that series together and made it so much more powerful than it would have been otherwise. Uh, I think it's probably her best work. Uh, she's done some other great stuff as well. Bloom Into You. Most recently, she's working with uh, Masaki Yuasa with Night is Short, Walk on Girl, and Ride Your Wave. Uh, she did Little Witch Academia, Blast of Tempest, Full Metal Alchemist. She's done some amazing work. But for me, it'll always go back to Snow White with the red hair as her best. Makes sense. I do uh, remember being, you know, pretty pretty uh, closely tied with uh, the Little Witch Academia music as it was going. Uh, I'm, I don't think I mentioned when I first would have encountered her. Probably, probably not Gal Force, because it seems like she did a later Gal Force thing. So probably Maho Tsukaitai would have been uh, the first thing that I heard her in. But... Uh, or maybe Legend of Christania. I should actually re-listen to that. That's a that's a pretty ancient one. The Weathering Continent at one point. Again, early, yeah. early, early stuff. But yeah, she she definitely has a uh, huge and prominent repertoire. I mentioned some of the video games were. I mean, it's not lunar. I know. Uh, <laughs> if, if it was lunar, there would uh, there would be something going on here. Where, did you, uh, you know, play the Lagaya or Ark the Lad, Ico or Suikoden? No, I believe I played Suikoden. Uh, I believe I played one of them. I don't remember which one. All I remember is the final boss was a big tree that kept killing me. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so that's all I really remember from that one. 
but yeah, no, I'm not as familiar with her video game work. Well, I have a feeling now you might become more familiar. Because why? Because why not? <laughs> it's not like we got much else going on right now. Yeah. Although, uh, who... Hmm. I'm trying to think who I would have... I might have actually put her on... I'm, act, I'm trying to figure out if I, if I left uh, Joe Hisaishi off, would I have replaced with her or one of the others? There are a few other uh, people that I ran across that were uh, that were interesting. Like, like I said, I literally had 10 extras that I could uh, go on because I would just pick a series and then I would try to see like, oh, who did the background music for Yawara? And then I'd see, okay, did a bunch of Ranma, the Mice and Akoku final uh, movie, the Welcome to Irabo's Office. And then it would end, and I'd be like, oh, I don't have as deep a connection with this person. So let me go on to this other thing I have a deep connection to the background music for and see what else they... My word doc is replete. <laughs> so, uh, did we have any final closing thoughts or notes or anything that we wanted to bring up before we wrap things up? I don't know. I think we largely cover it during so i think i think we can close it here all right so that wraps things up for this episode thank you again ct for joining me for this discussion a pleasure as always especially to talk about music and you know to stop the podcast and go listen to a few soundtracks which i i have a feeling is likely to be done more than likely uh, so, and thanks to all of you out there for listening to us wax poetic about music for the last, I don't know, hour, seven minutes or so. As always, if you want to hear these podcasts as soon as they go live, you can listen to them first at on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash otaku review. And if you enjoy what we're doing, please like, share, subscribe. It helps us out a ton. So until the next time, have a great night, everybody. Have a great night, everybody.